Hello, everyone. This is the KOW Philly Soccer Show. I am KOW's Greg Willandini. And I am Philly Soccer Pages Mike Servidio. And this week we talk U.S. men's national team as they get ready for some do-or-die World Cup qualification. That's putting it lightly. Yes, we have uh, do-or-die. Uh, ESPN soccer columnist Jeff Carlisle joins us for a really great interview. Uh, really kind of get get pretty deep into it. And, and, then, and then we talk about the... The remaining Philadelphia Union games. And, and we talk about the, the next couple Philadelphia Union games, so uh, let's get to it. U.S. national team uh, in a situation that they need to win a couple games here, uh, honestly, to uh, uh, propel themselves into the World Cup. They're fourth in the hex right now. They're t- tied with uh, Honduras, uh, if I'm not wrong, on nine points. They got uh, this big game in Orlando coming up uh, tomorrow, so... Let's talk about this game first. So, uh, what's your feeling so far uh, as the national team goes into this game against Panama and Orlando? I mean, it's tense. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really ever predicted that uh, the U.S. Would, would be in this position. You know, even even after they lost the first two games, you know, the thinking was, you know, hey, listen, if they just take care of business at home, you know, snag some points on the road you know, that they ought to be able to, to get this done. And, and certainly that was the script that, that the team was following for a while, but then, you know, that loss to Costa Rica really uh, threw a monkey wrench into everything. And so, um, and they, they really haven't looked that great, uh, you know, in, in the, in the last two fixture periods. I mean, even against Trinidad and Tobago, you know, they won that game two nothing, but Trinidad had some great chances in the first half of that match to, to really get the nerves jangling. And then obviously, you know, they, they get a, a good point in Mexico um, and then the Costa Rica game and, and then Honduras. I mean, they, they looked really sluggish. I mean, granted the conditions were terrible, but um, you know, this is a, a, a U.S. team that's not inspiring a whole lot of optimism right now and belief. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a tense situation and, you know, now they've got to, they've got to win this game. I mean, it's not, technically it's not a must win, but I but I think for all practical purposes, it is a must win just because you know they they really don't want to go to a playoff and have to travel to Malaysia or Australia and and have to deal with that. So um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's a tense situation, and you know we'll, we'll see if the U.S. is able to come through. It seemed like there was maybe one or two names that were unexpected uh, on the call-up list. Being around the team, have you gotten a sense of uh, who we might see in the eleven tomorrow? You know, it's 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 pretty wide open. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of speculation about Benny Failhaber. Um, you know, there were, you know, a lot of people wondering, you know, well, if Bruce calls him in, you know, why would he do that if he wasn't going to play him? I mean, I, I tend to think he's an a number one insurance policy. Um, you know, if things go badly, or at least, you know, the U.S. can't break on top and, and look like it's not making much progress, you know, getting, uh, you know, cracking Panama apart, you know, then I could see Failhaber coming onto the field. Um, and that was something that he did a lot under Bob Bradley. You know, he, he tended to come on at halftime of games. Uh, or early in the second half and, and really make a difference. So that's, that's a role that's not unfamiliar to him. So, uh, you know, I, I could see him doing that. I, I do think it's going to be the usual suspects. I mean, I think, you know, we'll see Wood and Altador up top. Um, I do think, you know, you're going to see Pulisic out on the wing. Um, even And even if it, they go 4-2-3-1, I still think you're going to see Pulisic 
nominally uh, deployed out wide. I mean, obviously he's got a, a lot of freedom so to cut inside. Um, and, and then I think you're going to have, uh, you know, Bradley and, and who knows, maybe Kellen Acosta in the middle. I mean, Acosta has been dealing with some injuries lately. So, you know, I think there's some question as to how fit he is. Um, and then I expect to see Darlington Nagby on the field um, as well. So, I mean, I think, I think Nagby, even though he wasn't that great uh, in the last two, you know, fixtures, um, I, I still think he's he's one of the better creator better creative brains in, in the in the player pool at the moment. So uh, I, I think you need to have him on the field. And then in the back, I I gotta believe that Jeff Cameron will be back in there. I mean, he, he was back on the field for Stoke in, in the game, you know, just prior to the international break. I think Beasley will be next to him, and then Yellen on the right, and probably Viafania on the left. So, um, it, but it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, Bruce always seems to. Chris Arena always seems to throw some some tactical wrinkles into things, um, so it, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see what he comes up with. I guess I guess the follow up question to that is is, is got to be about Christian Pulisic, just because I, I I think that there's a there's a growing number of people that want to see him a little bit more central, just just to get him some more touches, um, and it's certainly become apparent in Concacaf that that teams are targeting him as a guy that they need to defend, and you know there's it's. The little extras that go with conga calf, a little kick to the ankles here and there. Um, do you get the sense that it's just it's going to be him off the off the wing the whole time? I mean, I think he's going to have a lot of freedom. Yeah. I mean, and I think you know, I, I think it, it's a it's almost a situation where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, if you play him in the middle, you've got some some pretty big defensive midfielders. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like Gabriel Gomez, uh, a guy, a guy we know from the Philadelphia <laughs> union actually. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, he's a guy that, that can certainly put in some challenges. Yes, he can. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, do you want, but I mean, it teams have just been collapsing on Pulisic. I, I think no matter where he's been, I mean, I, I can remember him starting in, in the Costa Rica game. I can remember him starting out kind of central on one play and then, and then making a diagonal run and, and pretty soon he was surrounded by three guys and, and they just chopped it down. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think the key almost is, is going to be guys like Nagby and, and, and Altador and Wood, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe a Paul Areola as well doing some damage, you know, creating some danger. Um, I, I think the U S is just a little bit too predictable right now. And then, you know, guys like Josie Altador have talked about it. You know, the other guys need to step up. I mean, it can't just be the Christian Pulisic show. I mean, he's tal- everyone knows he's talented. Everyone knows he, he's uh, absolutely, you know, lethal in the attacking third. But if, if you're that predictable that you've got to go through him to, to create chances, then I think that's a, you know, that makes it easy for Panama to try to figure out what they need to do. So just kind of looking over the roster and besides Fall Harbor, uh, Fall Harbor, um, it, how how much different is this than something that Jurgen Klinsmann would have would have cooked up? I mean, I, th- I think there's a little bit of variation, but I mean, it, does that speak more to just we're kind of late in the game here? The talent, the, the pool is what it is, and these are the guys I got to go with. Is is that what kind of what we're looking at this situation with the, with the roster situation? I think so. Um, I mean. <laughs> Certainly, I think there'll be a lot of debate about whether Jurgen Klinsmann would have included Fabian Johnson. Um, mm. On the one hand, Klinsmann did send him home after the CONCACAF Cup um, because he didn't like his attitude. So, you know, it's there's a it's always 
not not always, but at times it's been an uneasy relationship between the national team and, and Fabian Johnson. But um, you know, he got back in Klinsman's good graces, and so you know, I the disappointment for me is that Johnson is not available to play outside back. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's been this huge debate, or like one of the huge debates about you know, is he a midfielder? Is he a defender? You know, he prefers to play in midfield, but you know, a lot of times I think it comes down to what the team needs. And obviously there's, there's been this hole at outside back for the U S team for, for quite a while. Um, you know, everyone was, was kind of surprised last cycle when Klinsman converted to Marcus Beasley. So, I mean, it's, this has been an ongoing thing. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've seen Fabian Johnson do really well there. Uh, he was fantastic in the world cup, although in that instance, he was playing on the right, but, um, you know, I, for me, that was that was really the reason to bring him in. Uh, and just talking to people around the team, they didn't like his form and they they didn't like his fitness. Even though he started, I think the last two Bundesliga games. So, um, you know, I think it's you know there is this feeling that there's a little bit more to meet to the eye, but it, but until somebody says something, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's you know you you kind of have to take it at face value. So, uh, but again, to me that was, that was the disappointing piece. I mean, I, I know that there was all this angst about, you know, they, he, he picked Fabian Johnson or he picked Jossie Zardes over Fabian Johnson. I, I really don't think it was an either or. I think the decision was made to leave Johnson off and then, uh, you know, Arena went to other names on the list. So, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm certainly if you look at the respective skill sets of the players involved, you know, you, you would pick Johnson every time. But, um, you know, uh, I think the decision was made to leave him off, and and then Arena moved on. But you got to fill out your roster somehow. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask a question. It might be slightly prov- provocative. Uh, America's favorite redhead, Alexi Lawless, he made his okay. grandiose <laughs> his grandiose statement uh, during the halftime one of the games. You know, kind of calling out a lot of the players, and I know you and uh, some of the other reporters. I think have uh, spoken kind of individually with the with the players. Uh, about that, uh, but you know, stripping away some of his you know more colorful language, does, does he have? Is there like a kernel of a point there? Is there that some of these guys haven't really stepped up in this cycle? You could point to a lot of like what Clemson Clemson did and the tactical decision making, a roster shifting things around. But you know, can can you point to some of the players, especially kind of the more veteran guys that you know some of it lies lies in their lap as well that they're in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Tim Howard, there's no way he should be giving up that first goal against Costa Rica. Um, you, know, especially, you know, from that angle, he, he should be saving that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, collectively that this team has, you know, has underachieved. I mean, if you, if you look at the, the, the totality of the hex, um, I, I think there's a, an expectation and, and quite understandably, you know, the expectation is that they should be playing better. So, um, you know, I, I do think it's easy to, to call out individuals and not offer up any solutions. I mean, you know, if, if this guy shouldn't be playing, then who should? I mean, you know, it, that seems to happen a lot with Michael Bradley that, you know, oh, he should be out of there. And it's like, okay, well, who do you put in? Mm-hmm. You know, who do you put in that's got that experience? And, um, and certainly he, you know, 
his history suggests that, he, that he's come up with some pretty big plays. So, um, uh, especially now that I think he's playing in a position that, that suits him better. I mean, obviously at the World Cup, he, he was playing a, a more advanced role that I think really, you know, didn't did not play to his strengths. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, I think I, I think Alexi is certainly within his rights to, to call out some players. Um, but I, you know, and again, the, the format he was working under. It did not exactly lend itself to a, a lengthy discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, but no. Um, you know, but at, at the same time, I think you could say, "Hey, these guys need to do better," and you know, here's here's how that can be accomplished. You know, whether it's how you deploy them on the field, or you know, whether you get somebody else in there, and you know, you should be should be going to that level of detail. I think. You you you've probably gotten a chance to to be around these guys a little bit this week. Do you think that there's one or two of those guys that I don't know if it's taking Alexi's rant to heart or just taking the weight of the situation onto themselves, but is are there guys that you're you've seen so far that just look maybe a step ahead of everybody else that look like they're going to be up for this when the game kicks off tomorrow night? I think the veterans have something to prove, and I, I think you kind of get that sense. Um, you know. I mean, Michael Bradley's always kind of got his game face on, so... Uh, you he know, scares I, me I, I through the TV. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, looking at him that you can really tell whether he's more up for it than normal. Um, you know, I, I do get the sense that just watching Tim Howard, that, that he feels like he, he's got a little something to prove. Um, you know, I, I sat down with Josie Altador yesterday, and, um, you know... I don't know. I don't know that the comments stung him, but you can you can tell he's, you know, there's a spring in his step. There, he, he's motivated to to prove something as well. And I, I think it's for him. It's coming from a positive place. I mean, obviously, he's had a a really good season with Toronto FC. So, um, you know, I, I think there's some nerves as well. Um, but you know, again, talking to you know, we talked to Paul Ariola. You know, he he was you know put in front of the the press pack yesterday, and um, there there was real excitement on his part, I think he's, you know, he's really pumped up to, to play a role in this game, you know, whether he starts or comes off the bench, I mean, we'll see, but, um, so I, there's a lot of positivity, but there, there is this undercurrent of tension and, um, you know, uh, you look at some of the things that Bruce arena has done as well, you know, the, the plea for fans to, to support, you know, to come out and support the team, that struck me as odd and, and almost a little bit desperate. And he's brought in Bob Bradley. I mean, I, I think it's one thing to be thorough, with, but yeah. there's a part of it that almost seems a little desperate as well. Um, and it, it's probably a little bit of both. So uh, I think there's excitement. I think there's tension. I do think ultimately these, these guys will, will rise to the occasion and get it done. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, some of the things Bruce has done. It's we always the perception of it is he's he's a cool customer. He's you know he's kind of got that New York, you know, tough guy vibe about him, and he's just kind of right. trying to get things done. But yeah, like you said, bring, bringing in you know Bob Bradley to kind of be be a guy's uh, uh, you know second set of eyes, I guess, and you know, kind of being emotional with the fans and things like that. It's a little it's a little outside of what we perceive of of, of Bruce Arena. So. It's definitely interesting. I think if, yeah. he, if he called yeah, Klinsman and, in, well, we would all have been real nervous. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been something. <laughs> um, 
you know, and I guess a part of me wonders, you know, what Dave Sarakin thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, yeah. Sarakin's been Arena's right hand man for for goodness knows how long, and so, uh, you know, and I mean, I, I I can on the one hand I can appreciate Arena being thorough and, and trying to to make sure every single little last detail is 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 looked at, but um, you know, it, it's it's different, um, and you know, maybe, maybe it needs to be different. You know, maybe Bruce made some calculations and decided that, you know, this was something that uh, he needed to shake things up a little bit and kind of wake guys up. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see if this works. And, um, and it's, and really it's, you know, as everyone knows, it's a two part process. I mean, if they take care of business on Friday, they still got another game, which is going to be tricky. Uh, I mean, who knows what kind of state Trinidad and Tobago is going to be in. So, um, and, and that's been, it's a venue where they've won, but, you know, it, those have been tight games. I mean, I can remember in the 2010 cycle, you know, Rico Clark getting a goal that, that really gave them a massive result on the road. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's going there's, to there's, be. There's not an easy away day in the, in the X. No. No, no. I mean, it's, you know, I guess there are worse things than playing the last place team, but um, it's it's a venue they know nothing about. So I mean, it just, it's just a logistical wrinkle. I mean, I, I don't think it's 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 the kind of make or break thing. And it looks like the pictures that I've seen of the the stadium they're playing at that there's a running track around it, and you know, so I think that always that buffer kind of just helps in terms of dealing with with the road atmosphere. Mm-hmm, I yeah. think, but um, you know. It, you know, I keep hearing the, you know, I think Edo Bolden was quoted as saying that uh, the fans hated it. So <laughs> it's just, there's all kinds of variables that are floating around here. Radio.com. Radio.com. To go, to go back to Panama for a second, have you gotten a sense of what the Panamanian side is going to be set up? Like, do you think that they'll probably sit in a little bit and, and let the United States try to take it to them and hit them on the counterattack in the way that Costa Rica did? I think they're going to sit in a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, and this came up at the, the press conference today, um, Panama's only conceded five goals in eight games. Um, now, the problem for them is they've only scored seven. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of margin for them as well, but I mean, they certainly have the personnel and, and the wherewithal to, to come out of that game on Friday with a zero zero, which would suit them just fine. Um, so I, I think, yeah, very much so they're going to, to sit in. Uh, I think they're going to try to break quickly and, and catch the U S in kind of a, an, an imbalanced shape and, and, and really try to, you know, to use, the, you know, some of their speedier guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to sit in. I mean, you think about a guy like Anibal Godoy, who MLS fans are familiar with, with San Jose. Um, you know, he's, he's another midfielder who <laughs> is not afraid to, or is not going to hold back in terms of putting in challenges. I mean, they're going to be very, very physical and they're, you know, having gone down there for the, the first game in Panama and, and just seeing the way they roughed up Pulisic, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, a lot of those same tactics uh, deployed on Friday. So before I let you go, I'm going to kind of lay a heavy question on you. Um, 
So what what happens if the unthinkable does happen? If if somehow they stumble in these next two games, and both of these games are one of them, and they're either they go out in a playoff or they fail to, you know, or they just fail to qualify straight up. What 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 kind of impact does that have on U.S. soccer? Do you think? Um, it would be a body blow. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think the game at this point in time is on firmer footing or, you know, it's on the firmest footing that it's ever been on. And so, you know, it's not going to kill the sport. Um, but it's, I mean, there's going to have to be, I mean, I think there has to be a reckoning no matter what, um, you know, just, just the way that this, this, you know, qualifying campaign has gone. And, you know, arena was always going to be, he was always the short term solution. I mean, he was the safe pair of hands. And so, uh, you know, I, I think if they don't make it, he would step down and, and the search for a, a long-term replacement would begin. Um, you know, part of me w- would love to see Tata Martino take over. Yeah. I mean, given that he's, been, you know, now been in MLS for almost a, a full season now, um, I think that would be a fascinating candidate. I mean, whether he'd be interested or not, who knows? Um, but there would have to be, you know, there would have to be a, a candidate with, with a long-term vision, uh, you know, to try to, to see, try to examine more closely what went wrong and, and, and really, you know, plumb the depths of the player pool. I mean, I, I remember, you know, catching a little stick when I wrote at the Gold Cup that I, I kind of wish the younger guys had, had been able to see it all the way through. And everyone was like, oh, no, you know, they, they, they've got to win it. And, you know, I and my ESPN FC colleague, Taylor Twelman, I think, brought up a great point in, in a roundtable that we had that it would have been a great opportunity to see guys like Weston McKinney and Haji Wright and just to see what those guys could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's there will have to be a reckoning um, no matter what. But I think if they don't make it uh, – it will be severe. Um, you know, there's obviously a USSF presidential election coming up in February. Yeah, so, that, that uh, was going to be my next question. Is, is you talked about yeah. the coaching changes, but you know, there's there's already a couple of people that have announced that they they plan on running against Senor Galati. Um, and you'd have to think if if the unthinkable does happen, that that really does right. spell the end for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have a hard time. I mean, I think the. The, the ace that he has in his hand is, is the whole 2026 World Cup. I mean, I think he, you know, he's going to campaign on a promise that, hey, I'm the guy that can get you the World Cup. I have the connections, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, whether that's enough to sway people, you know, who knows. But, I mean, there's already, I think, a lot of, you know, just talking to some of the candidates, there's already a lot of uh, disgruntlement in the youth ranks. And, um you know, whether that is enough to sway the election is a, is a different different story altogether. But, you know, certainly there would, I mean, if, if the U.S. fails to qualify for the World Cup for 2018, then uh, that would <laughs> cast a lot of doubt about, um, you know, Galati's chances of, of, of keeping the, the presidency. Yeah, you would have to think. Um, Jeff, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, spent a lot of time on this. Can you uh, let the people yeah, no out, let the people out there know where they can find you? Where they can find you on Twitter, on on Facebook, and uh, all that? Where they can find your writing? Yeah, on on Twitter, um, they can find me at and, you know at Jeffrey Carlisle. 
Uh, I'm not active on Facebook. I'm, I'm probably a dinosaur <laughs> in regards to that. Um, but you know, they can find my work, you know, on you know ESPNFC.com. I mean, that's 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 always the the best place to try to find me. So, uh, but I'm pretty active on Twitter. So, um, you know, that's a that's another good place where they can engage me if they if they so desire. Excellent, uh, Jeff. Once again, thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeff. No problem, guys. Take care. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Carlisle. That's good. Joining us uh, this week, talk national team and uh, oh, man, I'm more nervous <laughs> a after talking to him. Are, are you, I, I, I feel like you know I, I knew that the game was tomorrow, and I, I've kind of thought about it all week. But now, now it's like it's that, it's, that, it's that's the kind of coming. Way I was that I was kind of prepping a little bit uh, before. I was like, okay, let me pull up the hex. Oh, okay, they're there. Right, nine points are kind of sitting there. Let me look at the roster. Wow, this roster is not particularly exciting. Uh, and like, you know, Jeff said, this is kind of this is kind of you're dancing with who brung you at this point. Yeah, you don't. It's the end of the hex. You don't have a lot of options. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's there's. I, you know, he talks about fail harbor. I don't think we'll see fail harbor from the start tomorrow. Um, I think he's he's probably the, one of the only interesting names that yeah of people that Brissard brought in for this this one. This round of qualifiers. I don't. I don't need to see Tim Ream anymore ever. No. And and Wando's there. I, I don't hate need Fulham. To, so I mean, I, and, yeah. <laughs> and Wando's there. I don't need to see Wando anymore. I mean, there's this guys I don't need to see anymore in the national team shirt. And those are those are just two of them. Yeah. Um. It, it's it, it's interesting how Bruce Arena is kind of reacting. I didn't give a ton of thought to it, but the way Jeff kind of laid it out there was you know bringing in Bob Bradley for. Reasons, I'm sure they're probably pretty solid reasons, but you know, having having that extra set of eyes um, and kind of being, like I say, you always see Bruce as this kind of cool customer, but this passion he flares up. He's got the, you know, it's kind of got the hot blood going every once in a while, but you know, kind of when it comes when it comes out to, it, he's a very business like guy, kind of kind of straight headed guy, and you know, being emotional about the fans and all that. I, I, I guess you know, pressure does something to you. <laughs> I you know I I almost don't mind it either because mm-hmm. it's it's a desperate situation yeah. and I, I don't think that it's it's incorrect to to act desperately in that situation so you know I I, I do think it, it comes across as a little unusual coming from Bruce Arena mm-hmm. who, who doesn't normally do these kind of things um, but it is a desperate situation and we got to take desperate measures I guess you know and if if it's calling in. Uh, Bob Bradley, if it's uh, hyping up the fans, whatever, whatever it takes, I guess. It was interesting to talking about Pulisic, and you kind of stole my question, but um, it, it's a good point that he's he's such a marked man now. I mean, yeah. he really is, and that says a lot about him being 19 years old and being the guy, the guy that every team you play now is going to key on. But it also says something about you as soccer that a 19-year-old is the guy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, and a nineteen-year-old, you know, coming into his first, uh, you know, has only been a pro for a year or two, is coming into his first World Cup cycle. I, I, you know, I, you know, Messi was the guy uh, pretty early with Argentina, and I think everybody knew it, and that's fine. But you, you don't really have that buffer around him right now. You don't have any of the vets kind of stepping up and taking that pressure off of him. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he reacts and how mm-hmm. he's able to perform in the, the game on Friday, which is, uh, you know, no disrespect to some of the games he's played in for Dortmund, probably the most important game that he's ever played in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I think that's going to be really interesting. And, you, you know, I think that the easy comparison for Pulisic early on is Landon Donovan, who who also came into the, the, the national team setup as a, as a really young guy, but also made a habit of being involved in some really, really, really big plays for mm-hmm. USA soccer throughout his entire career. Um, so if those comparisons are going to keep going, I think, you know, Pulisic has to maybe do the, some of the same things. And yeah. it's, it's a ton of pressure for, for a 19-year-old. Oh, it's an it's enormous amount of pressure. And it's it's unbelievable. And he seems to take a lot of it in stride. And he seems like a, you know, he's just a really impressive young man. I think that's that's, yeah. th- that's a consensus about him. And and every every kind of step he's made has been the right step. And, you know, his development has gone well. And, you know, he's I think he's locked in with the right pro team with, with Dortmund yep. and they're, they're really treating him well. And I think that national team, they know what they have. They're not, doesn't seem like they're screwing it up yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's in, you just kind of look around what's going on around them. And, you know, these are the cards that Bruce Marino has played that were set up from, uh, from Jurgen Klinsmann, I, I think Jeff made a good point about the Gold Cup, and I agree with him. I, I thought they should have played more guys in the Gold Cup. I thought, yeah, I mean, I mean, not that the Gold Cup is meaningless, but yeah. in terms of the what the Gold Cup can mean, this one didn't mean anything, right? And and, and you were in such you, you even back then you were in such a weird precarious position for qualifying that you could have used the Gold Cup just to get some bodies through there and yeah. see what you had and see if you had a little more depth going in and and you know we talked about it when they sent uh, Dom Dwyer home and it was you know I thought we were yeah. both really surprised because yeah. he was a guy that was scoring in good form yeah. and yeah. you know something you just wanted to see more of him in, in the national team search see if he could kind of maintain that and if, if he could be a guy that you could call in because he scores goals he was scoring goals he's you know you're going to need that you're going to you know I mean you got Bobby Wood who's kind of kind of your instant offense a little bit off off the bench who was in the in the last uh, qualifying game, able to nick that nick that goal late. Yeah, because <laughs> he's a guy. I mean, he's another guy. He he could kind of kind of do that and just get a goal when he yeah. needed it, and that's great. But you could have had another. You, you had the potential of having another guy if, if you know you kind of saw what you had with that man. And you know, there's a couple of the young, younger guys, uh, like Jeff said. But um, yeah, it's such a weird position to be in. It is. It is. And God, nobody wants that playoff spot. I mean, Mexico had to do it. Yeah. Last World Cup, and we, we all kind of had to beat New Zealand. They ended up beating New Zealand, and they ended up doing it pretty comfortably in, in the end, I yeah. think. But this, I mean, this, you don't want to be in that spot because you don't know. You got to travel across the yeah. globe to Australia or, or Syria or, or yeah, yeah, or, or wherever. Can I, you? Just, I, I mean, I don't want to think that, that it could happen, but can, I, the USA soccer team having to go away to Syria right now. What well, a wild fun. situation that I mean, would be. I guess, you know, it's mathematically possible, but yeah, that'd be very bizarre. I mean, they played today, of, right? 1-1-1. One, one, one. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Syria nicked the penalty. So, so they're, yeah, I guess they're still in the, in the in the hunt of it. Yeah. For the Asian qualification, so. Yeah, but, the, you know, you don't want to be in that spot. No. You, you got to take no. care of it here, and you, you got to be Panama. You have to win at home. Because... You're going down to you know TNT or out of it, yeah. But you still got to go on the road in Concacaf in a weird situation, and I, I think what Jeff said too. I think you know I think Panama is going to sit deeper than Costa Rica yeah. did because I, I don't think that they have the horses that Costa Rica does to attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that favors the USA offense a little bit, and I think it'll it'll let Pulisic get on the ball a little bit yeah. more, just because I think that they'll let the USA have the ball a little bit more um, than than Costa Rica did. 
Um, so I, th- I think that's going to be really interesting. And if the, if the USA is able to keep the, you know, the possession statistics at like 60-40 in that first half, yeah. it's what can they do with the ball when they have it? You know, is it, is it going to be a difficult time breaking teams breaking them down? Or, or I mean, an early goal is going to go a long way mm-hmm. in this game to opening up Panama. Yeah, for sure. Radio.com. <sighs> so was that was that your your side to segue into talking it, about the Philadelphia Union? It might have been. Uh, <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> uh, so let's do a quick prediction on, on this. Uh, I'm going to say two one U.S. I'm going to say two one U.S. or two. I'm going to say two nothing U.S. Okay. I I, I want, <laughs> we need the USA to win this one. Yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely. Oh God. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, so uh, yes. <laughs> um, it, this is something I, I did want to bring up with. Jeff, and I mean, I think this could be this is going to be a long term conversation. The fact that the United States all of a sudden can't develop goalkeepers. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that was the only position for years yeah. we could the U.S. could develop, and you know we're, we're kind of leaning on Tim Howard, who's kind of in the you know in, in the twilight. Yeah, I don't think kind I'm, of. I, I mean, certainly in the twilight. Uh, Brad Guzan, who I have no confidence in. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, I still think is shell shocked from you know backstopping uh, Aston Villa for a couple Middlesbrough for last three four years when <laughs> Aston Villa had some of the worst defensive play I've ever seen in my life. So he you know obviously saw much more of the ball than I think he ever wanted yeah. to. Um, and that's it. I mean that, that there's kind of a, there's a big tail off after that. Um. Yeah, kid, husband's kids in the. Uh, <laughs> That's weird, right? he's, he's he's in the pipeline. That's a lot of things. You know, we we'll talk about a reckoning. That's a position that needs a reckoning, one way or the other. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think you've seen some guys that were in that third or, or fourth goalkeeper position maybe take a step back. The mm-hmm. the the Sean Johnsons of the world. Yeah, uh, Bill Hamid. Bill Hamid. I mean, I mean, a lot of people. Those those, those were the guys that. Uh, five years ago looked like that they were going to inherit what mm-hmm. Tim Howard had, had done, and now it certainly doesn't seem that no, way. No, I mean, you know, they're, they're both kind of fallen short of, of the national team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't off the top of my head think of anybody really right now on MLS that, you know, unless, uh, unless Andre Blake changes nationalities. Yeah, but, no, but I don't think that's happening. No. Um, I can't, you know, nobody really jumps out at me in MLS currently that, that, I know this one kid. Uh, the, the guy in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, okay, right, right, right. And the, the kid, uh, Yarborough, uh, I think plays for Leon, but I don't know, I don't know his situation. I know I he kind of gets shifted in and out of the pool, but I don't know how much, if he's a guy that kind of makes the numbers for you at this point. And I am going to, real quick, before we, we do change gears, uh, I, I do think by hook or by crook, this should be the end of this Neil Galati era for U.S. national. I agree. For, for United States soccer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think what Jeff was saying, that Galati has the idea that he can run on the I can bring the World Cup thing. I don't think it matters if it's Sunil Galati or if it's someone else. At the no, head. that's that's having the World Cup in the United States again is a good thing. Yeah. For I, I mean, we obviously think it's a good thing for the USA because we want the World Cup here. Yeah. But I mean, we I I think that the USA World Cup from 1994 is still the, the mm-hmm. biggest attendance and the, the biggest yeah. money maker. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I think having the stadiums in place and having the, the market that we do and having 
the 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 just the the, the global presence of people wanting to come here for I've an al- event. I've always said the United States can have a World Cup tomorrow if they if, yeah you know, if, if like you, like just we're having the World Cup. It's happening tomorrow. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah. Just because the infrastructure's already there. Yeah. It's not like Russia with did you see that ridiculous thing with the seats there? Just, <laughs> it's absurd. <that's, laughs> it was ridiculous. You gotta look up the picture where they just kind of cut a hole in the side of the stadium, <laughs> just kind of kind of move bleachers and I don't even know what they did. It's the, the it's, sight lines are gonna be it's tremendous. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. But you know you have thirty NFL stadiums that you could use yeah. yourself. You have, you know, I was glad. I was glad to see that Philly 30, yeah. stayed on the list when yeah. they, they announced that you they cut some of the cities yesterday. You probably have thirty college football stadiums you could use, yeah. like tomorrow, that, yeah. that, could, that could function. Uh, you know, and it's not going to be one man that brings the World Cup no. to the United States. No, to, and, to, and to think to think that's kind of insane. It is, and. I, and I, I, I know I was, I was kind of doom and gloom at the end, but I don't think I think the U.S. is going to make the World Cup. Honestly, I mean, unless they, I, think, I mean, I think so too. I think that they're a better team than the, the two yeah. teams that they're playing. Yeah, but so, I mean, it's soccer so, and it's Concacaf. Yeah, so you don't but, know, but you still got to play on the field. But even saying all saying all that, I think that it, it, it's kind of time because you could point to a lot of things. I think the hand, just you know, just the handling of certain situations with with hiring coaches mm-hmm. um you know you, you the more and more and we ha, we you know the thing we talked with steve about this whole you know the nsl thing the more you read you more kind of look at it, and i'm in no way you know have a real horse in this in, in this fight but the more you read about it you i think there's argument made that you the u.s Soccer did, you know, did some shenanigans with the NASL. Yeah, the, and, and you got to think, clear. you got to, yeah, you got to think that that's that that comes from the top, uh, you know. So, so they could put. So, if something bad out of that comes, then your president probably puts you in a precarious legal situation. So, it, it, it I just think it's, it just piles up against them, honestly. And I've, you know, I've, I've thought this for a while. I, I thought. All the things that's going on with U.S. soccer, I think the change really needs to be made at the top. I, I mean, I agree, and I and I think it's not even just the, the men's program too. I think that the women's program has needed a refresher mm-hmm. for at least five years. Um, I, I know that they were successful and, and won the last women's World Cup, um, but I almost think that was a, a little bit of a fluke. <laughs> I, I, I it was a little bit having to do. I mean, that that team performed well in the tournament, but. None of the other teams showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really been impressed with with Jill Ellis. Um, so you know, I, I think that there there's plenty of questions you can ask of Sunil Gulati, and, mm-hmm. and I agree. I do, I do think it's going to be. Time. Uh, and my my feeling has always been with the, with the women's team. I always felt like the the, the, the MH running asylum there. I think the players yeah. wield oh, it's always wield, yeah. wield more power and more power than they should when it comes to like coaching situations. I, I think, yeah, very and, much and so. And we've uh, seen that. I mean, it was uh, Tom Sermani, you know, yeah. getting really short leads for, I, I don't know much about the guy. I know he's coaching Orlando now and, but I don't know how a guy could get that short of a leash. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's tough to argue because they did win the world cup. And, right. You know, I know. Winning, winning's, you know, winning's a great bandaid. Winning, winning solves everything. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, you peel that band aid away. There are there are things you can start you know asking questions about. Uh, so yeah, I would I would very much, and I've been advocating for this a long time. I'd very much like to see a change at the top within U.S. soccer. I agree. Uh, so we, let's talk union. We're yes. very much in the home stretch at this point. How many games left? Two, two, two. one, two. Um, Chicago away, Orlando yeah. at home. 
we had uh you were out this week had adam on i'm kind of on me uh i uh, listened he's smart yes he's very much <laughs> much smarter than i am for sure as always say he articulates my thoughts way better than i can yeah but um and the one thing that, that that's really been kind of stuck in my mind that's really starting to worry me is like you and i and i think some of the people that report on the team and fans have a real sense of urgency about this offseason like they really got to I've been saying they got to hit a home run. They got to mm-hmm. make a really big, big splash. They got to make that big signing. They got to get a DP. They got to do something. Don't know if that urgency is there within the front office itself. I don't know. It's 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 hard to tell because you have guys in Jim Curtin and Ernie Stewart that are not the most emotional guys mm-hmm. when when they talk to the press. Um, so it's it, it is difficult to tell. I mean, Ernie plays this cards very close to the chest. He does. He absolutely does. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying, too, in that I think it would go some ways for the fans, you know, especially, you know, they're in the midst of uh, trying to convince people to uh, to re-up for next year for season tickets right now. They're not saying anything. I mean, I know you don't want to promise the fans the world, mm-hmm. but you have to make the fans at least aware that you know that this is a big off season, and I don't think that they've done a good enough job and, doing that. And I, with Adam, I pointed pointed this out, and I'll, I'll make this point again: that you look at, and just in the city, the Phillies, you know, the Flyers, the Sixers, Eagles to a lesser degree because they didn't really kind of do it that way, but they communicated. You know, we got to strip some stuff down. Flyers, we got we got bad contracts. We got to dump before we even think about competing sixers the process we all know what the process is and you're sort of seeing the the end game of that happening now but it was communicated um you know the phillies the same thing it's like we have to strip some stuff down we're going to bring the young guys up we're going to bring some young arms up young batters up we're going to see what we have it was communicated whether you liked it or not and a lot of people have opinions about the process and all that at least it was out there, it was the front office was saying, "Hey, these are things we need to do before we can think about being really competitive." And that, and if that's what the union's doing, fine. But that communication hasn't really been there. Yeah, and it's it's tough too because I, I think it's 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 a little bit different in MLS because no, you, can, you can change a lot from year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think union fans can probably look at the Chicago fire of last year and the Chicago fire of this year as, as a blueprint of like, Hey, we would like to be that next year, you know, sign a guy like Bastian Schweinsteiger, mm-hmm. uh, sign, uh, an elite striker. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, be competitive in the Eastern conference. You know, I don't, you know, I look for a, a while this year that Chicago might win the thing, but I mean, Toronto is really taking it yeah. to another level now. Um, but Chicago looks pretty comfortable as a, as a playoff team. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I, no, and MLS is a different animal than the other leagues. No, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I, but I, I think again, Ernie and Jim are in a, in a tough spot because they've probably talked to Jay Sugarman and they know or don't know that, that there's not the money coming. That's I think that that's ultimately it. I think that could ultimately be it. That there that there's not not in the pipe. And but it's tough because you didn't make a move in this transfer window in season. So that communicates without saying anything. That says, okay, we're, we're, we're going to load up for the offseason. But you don't get that feeling. <laughs> you don't get that urgency. And yet, 
kind of some equivocation when when Jim when Ernie does talk and when Jim does you know talks and t- this subject comes up, you, you get kind of you, you're not sure what they're going to happen. They could surprise us. Honestly, they could. They could. They could. You know, the day after the uh, the final, the MLS, the, the Cup final, which pretty much when the off season starts, I mean, there's there's very little there's very little delay. Things kind of you know. You know, to get your waiver drafts and you know another expansion draft this year, so things kind of start happening pretty pretty quickly in MLS right after the final. So they 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 could have something ready to go within within a week of that. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent confident. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but either. It, it's it's just that lack of urgency is is concerning. I yes, it is. Or you know, or at least lack of communication. It's it's hard to be a union fan these days. It, it, it really is. It it, it is, and you, you the can, whole Atlanta thing this year's I think stuck a lot of people yeah. in the eye. Yeah, that this team kind of came out of nowhere, and they have the funding. I, I get that, and they have this ginormous stadium they get to play in, and it, and it is a situation where it's. You see Minnesota beat them in Atlanta the other night. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's fine. But uh, uh, MLS, yeah. <laughs> But you know they're in, a, and it, and it's a good situation like Seattle's in that they are pretty much equal partners in that stadium. It's not kind of the Rev situation; it's much more <laughs> Seattle situation. Not to pick on the Revs, which we do a lot around here, but everybody does. Yeah, it's well, um, not personal Revs. So it, I, th- I think it, it, it sticks. It sticks in a lot of people that kind of see that happening. That this first year team just comes in with all the, this fanfare and fireworks, and you know they make you know these flashing the money around, they get the kind of the international coach with the reputation, they get all, all this stuff's kind of happening and and you know, it'd be a tough year without all that kind of to compare it to, but just I think that comparison, I, I think a lot of people, it bothers a lot of people. I think I think it does too. Um I, I have a I have a question for you about <laughs> for personnel for next year. This is, this is, a, is something that, that came up when I was at the, the game on Sunday and I, mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, to Joe, Joe Taney about it. Mm-hmm. Um, player that is, is pretty uh, divisive if you talk to Union fans is, is Roland Alberg. Yeah. Um, and he belts in that goal at the end of the game uh, on Sunday. And I, I, I talked to Adam about this a couple weeks ago and I, I'd love to know other people's opinions too after I ask you is a lot of people think he's out after the end of the season. They just they don't they don't think he fits. Mm-hmm. I don't think he fits either exactly with the the four two three one. I don't expect to see him as a as a starting player. Would you keep him around if he was willing to come off the bench and score twenty minutes re- and score highlight real goals? Sure. I, and somebody tweeted it out, and it wasn't somebody from the union, but it was uh, I forget one of the national writers. Basically, his goal per ninety minutes yeah. is up there with some of the best players in MLS, yeah. and he's just a natural at it. Yeah, at these long distance, weird angle shots, and that was—I mean—and that was not even the shot. That was effort too, which you don't always see from him because he was able to get out of the corner. Yeah, and create the shot on his own. Nobody on the team can create a shot for themselves except him. Mm-hmm. CJ can't. CJ, you know, CJ can't shoot. 
she, CJ's full of Esposito, man. He's he just he stands there and he he, he cleans up the garbage. I mean, which there's, is there's fine. Always a role for that guy, guy in soccer. Guys, made, big guys. Guys have made long careers doing stuff. Chris like Wondolowski that. is still on the national yeah, team. Yeah, just you know, he's there. He cleans up the garbage. That's great. That's great. That that's a good trait to have. Roland Arbor could create his own shot. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the union can do that. Nobody. And he's such a talent. He's so frustrating. Like I just I, I don't think you can't expect too much from Roland. I think I think you, that that's where I sit with it is yeah. he's not a starter. It's just not it's not going to happen. He's not a ten, no. uh, and the Union don't play with two strikers, so he doesn't start. He doesn't play from the wing. Right? No. He's oh no. I don't want him out in the wing. I mean, <laughs> but if you are tied, or if you're down a goal, I'd love to bring him in for the last twenty oh, minutes. Yeah, yeah, because he could just make something. Yeah, he could just really just make something happen, and I'd love to. You know, I I. If they could do a tactical rethink where they can make him like either a false nine or play off a striker, where he doesn't have to do a ton, a ton of work, where he could kind of get balls that are knocked down to him or just kind of get into space, and maybe he has five touches a game, two of them are shots, one of them goes in. <laughs> Works for me. That, I'm fine with that. I mean, it, but they're not going to do that. They don't. This is the system they want to play. They're not going to kind of curtail it. They've kind of they've messed around with it. they've inverted the triangle, which is something I thought they should have done a while ago. But whatever, uh, they've kind of played around with it a little bit. I called I called for Harris Badunian in the ten in April. You did no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we when we saw how, where this whole thing was going, it's like, like yeah, there's no we, ten. This guy can pass. Yeah, <laughs> why don't we get him up front? No, yeah. I, you're absolutely right. Um, but if they, you know, you got this guy he's, who has this goal scoring record, who's got this goal scoring ratio. And to just kind of give him away <laughs> and just kind of throw your hands up and give up. I, and there's a lot that's frustrating. He came in out of shape. I get that. He's not the nicest, sweetest guy to be around. I'm, 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 it, it seems like that. I don't, I don't know that's if that's a, necessarily true. I think he's. Yeah. My interactions with Roland are, are few and far between because he doesn't talk to the press usually. Um, is that he's. He's not a guy that wants the spotlight. He, right. And I, I I think people look into his celebrations as being kind of selfish. But I, I also think that's just kind of the guy he is. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like, I'm he's, a guy out there and I score goals. He's right. Yeah, he's he's a very singular personality. I, I think he, he just is who he is. And Yeah, I've never he, gotten he, the sense with, from the other guys that he's not like these. Right. I, I think it's like he is who he is and, he, you know, that's, this is who he is. He's not going to kind of change for the other guys, it no. doesn't seem like, and no. that's you know, if you're scoring goals, <laughs> and this is a team that doesn't score a ton of goals, yeah, and and like you said, that, that doesn't have a lot of guys that can create a chance yeah. for themselves. Oh yeah, he absolutely can. I mean, nobody. I mean, who who can? Nobody. <laughs> nobody. I mean, every once in a while, CJ will do it. Yeah, Harris could but, probably do it if he had more of an opportunity. Right. Maybe he'll see you. Yeah, maybe he'll see you when you know he he kind of does it, but the, but a guy that but you know that's his game though. That's Roland's game is to create a shot for himself. Is to you know the the, the other guys you mentioned. That's kind of like kind of an ancillary thing. Like they could kind of do it if the situation were right. This is what Roland does. You know, he opens up and gets a shot for himself. <laughs> I would. It's tough. I would figure out a way to. I don't know if I'd let him go back to the Netherlands. I'd like keep him here and with the training staff and just keep him on a treadmill for three months. <laughs> yeah. it's like, like, like you know, hide his passport or something. And just, uh, <laughs> all right, Roland, you're, you're drinking, you're drinking protein shakes. 
and you're running 10 miles on a treadmill yeah, every day. There's going to be no stroop waffles. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no 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 Dutch bakers for you. You are <laughs> this is what we're doing. You know, you know, protein shakes and treadmill. Yep. That's your off season. You could have a slice of pie at Christmas. That's, <laughs> that's it. Um that's just me. So I think uh, I, I need, yeah, yeah, I need to, I needed to ask that question cuz No, it's I, it's a fascinating question it's a big question that and it's a big question that they're going to have and it's you know the other problem is you, you're probably stuck another year with jay simpson yeah i don't know what yeah you know, which, which is just you know gobbling up money now yeah, so on the bench five hundred thousand dollars a striker that plays as a and, second striker and the other problem is a guy that's probably not going to be here because you know, you know charlie davies is gone you Ooh. gave exactly you give and you gave up a first round draft pick for him which is going to look like a pretty good draft pick now because you're not that great you could it's probably going to be a top 10 draft pick yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a lot of questions in the offseason ladies and germs i i do want to give a shout out to one of the the coolest moments i've i've seen at town this day this season was uh the guy hitting the crossbar challenge at halftime. Okay, <laughs> uh, got preseason tickets for next year. Oh, his, awesome! His uh, his third shot uh, on this past Sunday, boink right off the crossbar. Nice. I had a little two jersey on and everything. <laughs> so it was uh, not good for that was that was my one of my biggest smiles at the at the stadium this year, and I've I've been there for, for every home game except one. Sign them up, I say. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. I want to thank uh, Jeff Carlisle from, from ESPN. Great. Yeah, that was a great interview. I'm going to definitely, we got to kind of keep his phone number handy. Yes. He, he's Let's a, do that. Yeah. He's definitely a guy we'll, we'll have on again. Uh, just kind of given the length and breadth of the uh, national men's national team situation. Yep. And uh, as I get ready for qualification tomorrow or tonight or whenever you're listening to that, uh, I want to thank Mike. Great to have Mike back. Hey, and it was a uh, good vacation. It, yes, I want to thank, uh, and uh, we'll catch everybody next week.